even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple. I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Thank you. Philippians 2 and Matthew 10, pulling them together. If you remember, we have started a series on the Gospel, on knowing what the Gospel is and being able to share the Gospel. And in the first one, we were looking at knowing what the Gospel is, is even, not whiz, is, I said the Gospel is true. And we spent a time looking at the fact that the Gospel is truth. That was the T. The F of knowing the Gospel is follow. Following Jesus. There is a G next, yes. If you were here, you would have remembered that the G... Good. The G is grow. Well done. So, but anyway, we're looking at follow tonight. Who do we have to follow? Obvious question. Jesus. Jesus. Looking at the two passages we've looked at, what are we learning about following Jesus? Philippians 2 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then goes into this great hymn of praise of Jesus, explaining what his attitude is like. So could you look at that? Philippians 2, 5 to 11, and tell me what the attitude of Jesus is like. Humble. Humble. Obedient. Obedient. Like lays down, kind of puts aside the fact that he's got godly power, if you like, because he wants to identify with us. Brilliant. And I think that last, sorry. Servant. Servant. The last thing, the thing that Keith said, I think is one of the most crucial things. Because Jesus, even while he was walking on earth, had power to alter the situations he was walking through, but chose not to use them because it wasn't God's will. And there are times when we have power to affect circumstances around us, but actually God is saying, no, don't use it. Trust me. Uh... I don't know. There are there are times I can think of someone who who told me that he, you know he was uh, in a situation leading a church, and around him there were other church leaders who were making his life very difficult, and he knew that he had the power of going to the bishop who was his friend, explaining what was happening and seeing them disciplined, but actually God said no, don't do it. I will have a better there will be a better outcome if you allow if you live through this persecution if you live through this trouble for now I will bring about something better but if you try and stop it and if you try and control it yourself then it's going to be a mess what happened? he allowed God to do it God's way and the other people in the end left the area because they didn't like what was happening they didn't like God moving through this particular church and in the end, it began to swell, and their churches wanted it, and it, they had to go. Wait. It wasn't quite like that, but moving on. So, having an attitude of saying, however hard and nasty this is, if this is what God wants, I'm going to follow Jesus. Because the Matthew passage says, what does it say relevant to that? Take up your cross and follow him. Take up your cross and follow me. And there's that old English phrase which is complete and utter pants. 
Everyone has their own cross to bear, love. As if, you know, we should just accept anything in any situation and we've all got our own cross to bear. Because that doesn't understand what the cross is. Tell me what the cross is. What does it mean to take up your cross? To be prepared to die for Jesus. To be prepared to die. In fact, it's more than be prepared to die, to know you're going to die. Because the moment you picked up your cross, you were as good as dead. You were walking in one direction. And that was towards the place where they were going to bang some nails into you. And then the cross was going to be hoist up. And you were going to die. So there was no get out. There was no more cause for appeal. You've got your cross. You're dying. So to take up your cross and walk for Christ, means to say my life is over and we've just been talking about slavery I am a slave of Jesus now I have no longer a right to choose my own destiny it is in his hands and to follow Christ means to say my destiny is in his hands now in one sense that sounds quite easy and quite nice the frustrating thing is that it's never quite as simple as that because he doesn't say okay here's a letter this is what you're going to do we have to go through life and the best way he's given us of going through life is making choices about what we're going to do which sounds very contradictory to saying the moment you take up your cross you your destiny is in his hands you're going to go his way you've got no more choice when actually the way he tells us to do it is to make choices but our always, what those choices we need to be making are following God's will. This is what God wants us to do. This is how God wants us to live. And so it's, it's the tension between having a free will, which every day we're saying, God, today I'm going to do it your way. And whatever you want is fine. Whatever you want is okay. And knowing that he is guiding you, but he doesn't guide you from the front. He doesn't guide you in a way that says, okay, I'm going to map it out and make it so obvious. He guides you from behind. The Bible says there will be a voice behind you that says this is the way to go. If the voice is behind you, that means you've already made some steps and he's going to say, right, okay, left a bit, stop, right, right, nine degrees, stop, whatever, go that way. Um, the Philippians passage is a sort of descent he gave up absolutely everything he is God with God in heaven he comes to earth he doesn't come to earth to live in Buckingham Palace or as they would say in America Buckingham Palace he came to earth huh? I know we're in England. Buckingham Palace, isn't it, mate? He came to earth not to live in Buckingham Palace, not even to live in the servants' quarters of Buckingham Palace. He came to earth to live in Brunswick Road. He came to earth to live in the hovels of this world. He came to earth to Deep live... Hovels. His name translates to hovels. He came to earth... I'm not joking. <laughs> he came to earth... That's appalling. He came to earth. It's not hovel, it's hovel. He came to earth <laughs> to live in an ordinary family 
despised because they were unmarried, an unmarried family, which actually made it a little bit less than ordinary. But I mean, his dad, supposed dad, was a carpenter, workman, working class, ordinary servant's family. Why is it alleged dad? Well, why is it not his real dad? I didn't know it wasn't really. I thought it was some big conspiracy. No, it's just because Joseph. Joseph wasn't his real father. That's up there with Joe's mini bus. Okay. So he came to live just like that, as I say, in an ordinary place. Nothing special about him at all. Isaiah says he had no form or comeliness that we should look at him here with no features that make him special to stand out. So he's got no physical features, he's got no features of uh, stature or anything to make him stand out. He was just, would look like an ordinary guy, really, until you get to know him and realise that there is something very abnormal about this person. There is no evil, there is no guile, there is no sin, there is no iniquity. He is a normal person, yet he is also God. And he comes from everything and he gives it all up to live like that. And part of this is saying, God is saying, okay, where you live, you shouldn't be thinking of it, is this the status that I deserve? Is this, you know, is this the right thing you, for me as a person? Does this, does this match my image? My parents were middle class. Is this middle class enough? My parents were whatever. But it's, what does God want about our entire lives? And image is the thing I think mostly that these, this idea, these passages speak into. Do you bother about your image? Do you care what people think of you? Because Jesus didn't. He didn't when he gave up heaven and the angels said, what's he doing? He's the son of God. What's he coming and living there for? If I was going down to earth, I would certainly live in Buckingham Palace. Whatever. And in the Matthew passage, he was prepared to take up his cross, walk semi-naked through the streets, get stripped and beaten, hung on a cross. Image wasn't important. He had the power to stop it. He could have called down a legion of angels to stop it. But he didn't. He went through it, even though it was shameful. Even though his mother was there, crying her eyes out, embarrassed, ashamed, worried, sad, whatever. He didn't stop it. So it wasn't just him that was hurting, his mother was hurting. He didn't stop it because he knew it was what God wanted. And image, if he'd worried a moment about his image, he wouldn't have done any of it. So when we're following God, the first thing that's got to go is our image. Discuss anything I've said so far. Is there anything about the voice being behind you? Yeah. Is that kind of like instead of like thinking about like what's ahead kind of thing, thinking about what's happened before and where you go and being more sort of making sense of that? 
I think if we're listening to God, then it's a fairly ordered way. But I think the picture the Bible gives us is that we're a bit like sheep, and we don't listen to God that well. And if you think how a shepherd driving sheep along a road, how the sheep walk, it's not exactly a straight path. Although the road's a straight path, the sheep are all over the place, and he's behind them shouting at them and getting the dog to bark at them to get back online. They always stop for lubric. Thank you for that. And you see the choice <laughs> Sorry? The choice that we have to make, is there always about this is the right answer, this is the wrong answer? No, I don't think there's always that this is the right answer, this is the wrong answer. Sometimes I think it's like giving me options, like, mm. which one would you like most? This, yeah. this, or this, and I'm like, definitely this, that one. Mm. But then it doesn't, that's not necessarily the obvious thing. At all. Sometimes, it, sometimes it gives you the wrong answer, it still works out. Well, it's always works out. Yeah, I, I don't think we should worry too much. If your heart is to serve God, then that's what he's looking for. Because the Bible says God will guide. It doesn't say you must be guided. It says God will guide. It's his business to guide you. Your business is to seek him and to walk to the best of your understanding and the best of your knowledge. And I, I'm sure if you're going the wrong way, he says, okay, right, let's stop, let's sort it out. Okay? And that's the way God speaks. But he wants you to have gone forward. And again, this goes against our grain because we don't want to make... We don't want to go off somewhere and then have to say, oh, folks, I was wrong. I should be over here now. But that's what the God wants. He wants us to be prepared to be out there getting it wrong so that he can move us to where he wants us to be. He's looking for people who are seeking to do it his way. And if we do... If we do, he will guide us. Not often a speaker sends himself to sleep. Through <laughs> boredom. Do you see there's this like when I come back in April I haven't decided where I want to live yet and this literally like there's a few options. I'm just really scared that I'll make the, like a such a crazy decision that it'll be like Oh dear, how do I save myself? So I kind of like think if I do make a crazy decision and that actually and then just say, right, God, if that's really not wrong, then please rescue from that. Is that the sort of answer to give kind of thing? Yeah, I, th- I think to genuinely be saying to God, you know, I offer this up to you. Show me the right way. Show me the path to walk on. It's the right thing to do. So this is a bit odd, you see, because we're telling, talking about following him. But now we're saying he's behind us, telling us which way to go. But of course God is God and God is everywhere because it actually says, Jesus says, I am the way. So you're walking on Jesus. He is the destination. So you're walking to Jesus. And he's behind you telling you which way to go. And you're walking with him as well. And he's the light, so he's showing you where you could go. Yes. So you can't ever be too much in the Word and getting to know what God is about because the more you do that, the more you get the guidance, the more you get to know which way you're meant to be going. So it's a heart attitude following. It's about saying, I am giving my life to go God's way and whatever he says goes. The wrong thing to say is, God, tell me what you want me to do 
and I will do it. The right thing to say is, God, whatever you say, I will do. What? What's, what's yeah. the difference? The difference is, in one, in the first scenario, he tells you what he does to do, and you then just choose to do it. In the second scenario, you say, I'll do whatever you say, and then he tells you what to do. So you've got no longer an option. Oh, uh, yeah. I prefer the first one. Most of us prefer the first so one. Say the first one again. The first one is, God, tell me what to do, and I will do it. And God says, no, tell me you'll do it, then I'll tell you what to do. Definitely. Would you be prepared to do anything God said? I don't think you can answer that question mm. unless it, the situation is actually presented to you. So it is presented to you because it's what God is saying to every Christian. Tell me that you will do whatever I say and I will tell you what to do. Then do you think that sometimes you can like think that there might be things that God might want you to do which you would like never ever ever want to do? Yeah. And you know that, and like literally, it's like against your human rights. This, this is the question: Do we trust God? No, but can fear get in and like make you think you? Fear can get in, yeah. yeah. Doesn't, isn't like, but my heart is that like the heart like God changes the desires of our hearts as we grow closer to Him, and so if it's what we we really really detest it, God's not going to make us do it. Like God's good. Or God, if he does really want us to do it, he'll change the desires of our hearts so that's what we want to do. Like we're working with him. Yeah. We're, we're not like this, clashing, we're meant to be working together. I don't know if that made any sense at all. Yeah. Sort of mould to God. Yeah. Okay. And like, either he'll change my heart's desire or my heart's desire what he wants to do. Kind of thing. Huh? And yeah. Christians who felt God was calling them to do something and all the counsel, all the advice they got from other Christians was no way, don't do that. Jackie Pullinger is one of the most famous examples. All the people she went to said, no, I don't think you've got the gifts to be a missionary. No, I don't think you should go abroad. No, we don't think you're old enough. Blah, 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 blah. But she was so compelled that God was calling her to go somewhere. She didn't even know where she had to go. And in the end, she sold what she had, and she bought a ticket for a round-the-world cruise, probably on a cargo ship. I don't think it was exactly a very plush thing. And she said, God, tell me where to get off. When the boat left Britain, she had no idea where she was going. She, didn't. she went to port after port after port. Eventually, the ship goes into Hong Kong. He says, get off. So she gets off Hong Kong. They weren't going to let her in. She said... I've got three dollars, three Hong Kong dollars, that's all I've got. They said, do you know anyone here? She happened to know a relative who lived in Hong Kong. 
she said yes although he didn't know she was coming she had no didn't know his address and they let her in and that was it and then she's had 30 years of missionary work in Hong Kong seeing drug addicts come to the Lord and all sorts of things she's written a book she's written a book out there girl called Chasing the Dragon came to move into our house like who were Jackson Manager, so like the last four years. And I just thought and I was like, I wouldn't see what happened. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, she's not very stable, she doesn't really have very good grounds. Well there you go. So all I'm saying is, yeah, it's right to have godly Christian counsel, but sometimes there's something from God inside you which just will not go away. And maybe that's the right thing to pursue. Jeff, it's like when I was I was meant to do, well, I did loads and loads and loads, like, an audition to, like, the art for six months. I wasn't going to come here, but I was, like, I prepared, um, for a long time. Like, you had to do, like, it was, like, a performing arts month, so uh-huh. I had to make up, I had to make up my own dance, and that took months, and do monologues and everything. I got all my teachers in my high school to try and help me. It was all a big deal, and they got all the money for to try and pay for it. Went to, went and did the audition. That was all fine. Um, found got a letter that I got in, and then it didn't feel right that I should go there, so I just gave it all up. But I just it felt so wrong, and now I know that like some typos was like so the best thing because of like TFG and Paul come back in and Paul come back in. I was gonna make that joke. I was gonna say she only came here for me, but nothing to us. No, there's a there's a there's a downside to everything, isn't there? No. <laughs> Jeff Lamley. The key thing there is about making a commitment to follow God wherever he calls us to go. Making a commitment to go his way. Remembering that sometimes that means we are giving up our human rights, our civil rights, not to change circumstances but to live through circumstances and say, this is what God calls me to do, I will do it. I will not change the circumstances. I will remain in the situation for as long as he wants me to be. Uh, and just to do what God says. And be prepared to say, God, you can have me. I am dying at this point. I'm picking up my cross. I'm giving up my right to, to determine my own destiny. I will do what you say. The gospel requires that. Although it's free, it costs everything. It's a lovely paradox. I think we should pray. And then we'll